the Koi Gig Pod. But we're too quick to drop off 3v1. That's been a problem that we actually stopped against Scotland because Neve Fahey stepped in to stop Caroline Weir. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mo. This is News Talk. Folks, you're welcome. We feel the pain, everyone. We feel the pain. You are back at work and there is no denying it now. So come and escape into the warm embrace of live Premier League commentary. Of a Tuesday, no less. Not our usual shtick, but somehow we have the rights to Manchester United Bournemouth on a Tuesday from Old Trafford. And we're bloody going to follow through. Nathan Murphy, Kenny Cunningham will be on duty. 53106, the text number. We are at Off The Ball on Twitter. Michael McCarthy. Good to see you, Michael. Oh, geez, it's great to see you. We really are back. I miss you so much over these Christmas weeks. You, <laughs> you know? didn't reach out once. <laughs> I did. You that's, did, sorry. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Arthur kind of did it and we sort of joined in and said happy Christmas. Yeah. yeah. He's nicer than us. Uh, yes, classier sort. So I was reading just today, um, Luke Edwards was writing about Eddie Howe's greatness. And it was just one of those pieces where, you know, source said this, source says that. Basically, everything Eddie does is amazing, yeah. you know. So, for instance, like a source close to him, I wish we all had sources like this. Eddie loves being Newcastle manager. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie loves being Newcastle manager, but it comes with sacrifices. He doesn't spend a lot of time with his family. He's working virtually every hour he's awake. There's no respite, no break, no downtime. The remarkable thing is he wouldn't want it any other way. He chooses to work like this. End quote. So, I mean, don't call me a hero. Uh, Eddie, of course, starts his day 6am, naturally, yeah. with a gym session, naturally. Uh, it goes on in this way. One of the more interesting, less cliched aspects of the Eddie Howe tribute is he has committed every single training session to uh, digital. So if he's thinking how to pre- prepare a team for a 4-2-3-1 opposition low block and how do we retain possession against them he can just go on to his various training sessions going back decades okay. search it in get it that was kind of yeah. unusual but then we were very much back to the cliched stuff so he, you know he rarely criticises individuals especially not in front of the group however he has steel if you undermine him you will be out said another close source so it goes on in effect it's a Eddie Howe can do no wrong piece and I thought God, there's, there's going to be no stopping Eddie Howe here until I saw a story from Marca just this afternoon. Right. A delicious twist in it the coming story. The hindsight. It is delicious. If Newcastle finished top four, yeah. as looks uh, increasingly likely, I think we can uh, say, Marca report that, uh, should they make the Champions League, guess, which uh, fellow Saudi PIF fan, guess it was a clause in his brand new contract allowing him to go on loan to Newcastle should they make the Champions League next year. Are you serious? Cristiano Ronaldo. But I thought he had done all he had to do in Europe. Uh, uh, uh. So Al Nasir, Saudi Arabia, Newcastle, small Venn diagram. Uh, this has been picked up everywhere now very quickly. So we'll find out if it's true soon enough. But Marca are reporting that Ronaldo has a loan clause if Newcastle make the Champions League. Oh, wow. That is uh, chef's kiss. <laughs> and, and poor Eddie Howe. I know. <laughs> I know. Good luck uh, running this tight ship now, Eddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indy come Ronaldo, you're not gonna, you're not gonna mess up anything. No, just what we need. It's all been going so well. Mm. Richie McCormack, come on in. Hello. 
happy new year to you joe you know much like mick you know i was happy enough to dip my toes in the water over the christmas and actually roll up my sleeves and do some work unlike some work shy so-and-sos like i could mention but won't people who aren't like eddie howe essentially <laughs> yeah well indeed there are eddie howes and then there are uh, i presume me is who you're talking about if it's I said I wouldn't name names, Joe. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to make it awkward. You're the one that's trying to make this awkward. If it's any consolation, uh, just as, you know, my, my time off began, sickness landed in a big way. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have been fit to work anyway. It was that kind of Christmas. I think it was that kind of Christmas for a lot of people. I mean, yeah, definitely for the McCarthy household. No, definitely for the McCarthy household. You're talking, I'm outside, I'm talking to uh, off the ball emeritus uh, Ronan Mullen talk about how sick he was after Christmas as he's talking to us Peter Malloy our brilliant sound oh engineer God. comes over to ask me a question he had to ask me five or six times because Pete has no voice Pete sounds so, Pete should probably be wearing a mask but how never Pete sounds like Roddy Collins right now I'm it's not sure fantastic. I'm not sure if anybody is healthy I like, think the whole hey world Pete, is falling hey. what's wrong with you Pete, I'm fine are you doing a match today <laughs> that's what he asked me when Pete found out during commentary this evening he got down his hands and knees and started crying <laughs> Sheer joy. <laughs> uh, speaking of match this evening, Richie, bear with us a moment. We should check in with Mr. Nathan Murphy. Hello. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everybody. So, who knows why, Nathan, but we're doing Manchester United Bournemouth on a Tuesday. Well, to ease you back in, I knew, you. I knew you'd all be a little bit grumpy of this Tuesday, so let myself and Kenny Cunningham take on the load for you. Well, indeed. So... Team news, I presume, has arrived. This is an interesting evening. We will be very much keeping an eye as well on Arsenal against Newcastle, which is 7.45. We have Everton-Brighton and Leicester against Fulham, also 7.45. Manchester United-Bournemouth, the 8 o'clock kickoff. This is uh, Manchester United, who have resumed post-World Cup with a 3-0 win against Nottingham Forest on the 27th, and then uh, sleepy Marcus Rashford off the bench to score in their 1-0 win away to Wolves. So... Suddenly they're fourth with a healthy gap over Spurs-Liverpool. If they win this evening, they're five ahead of Spurs, seven ahead of Liverpool, same number of games played. Yeah, they're the team that has found consistency when the likes of Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester City have been struggling and it's put them in a really strong position where they could tonight, depending on the result in the game between Arsenal and Newcastle, move up to third in the Premier League table. They've won three in a row in the Premier League, five in all competitions. And they've only lost once since the Manchester derby, uh, which was unquestionably a real low point when they were totally dismantled by a brilliant Manchester City at the Etihad. But that seems to have been a real learning experience for Eric Ten Hag. Casemiro has come into the side. They haven't conceded a game when Casemiro and Rafa Varane have started together. Manchester United now. Rafa Varane isn't in the starting eleven uh, tonight for Manchester United. Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof will be the centre-back pairing for United this evening. Lissandro Martinez still recovering from his exploits at the World Cup. And Rafa Varane drops to the bench for Manchester United. But Marcus Rashford did wake up. He set the alarm. He got out of bed on time at the start of the new year. And he is back in the starting eleven. But there's certainly a feel-good factor, a buzz around Manchester United that hasn't been there in a couple of years. And it feels that this maybe is something sustainable that Eric Ten Hag is building. But, as we know, when you're Manchester United manager, one slip up and the pressure can pile on again. It really does feel unlikely that Bournemouth will be able to do that this evening. They've been a shambles defensively. They've the worst defensive record in the league. They've never won at Manchester United. And ever since making Gary O'Neill their permanent manager, it's been a little bit of a struggle for them. Just one win in their last six games. And they are very much thinking about survival and fighting for survival. They start this game just two points clear of the relegation zone. 
So you might give us the full United team then. So uh, Harry Maguire just needed four other centre-halves, including Luke Shaw, to not be available or to not be starting there to get his um, starting berth. So there's that. Well, you'll be talking to Kenny in a while. And uh, Kenny had Luke Shaw as one of England's great centre-halves, I think, after watching him last time out um, and maybe thinking that he could take up a permanent spot in the heart of the Manchester United defence. He's going to be playing at left-back tonight. It is David De Gea, as you would expect, in goals. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, there's a lot of speculation that he will leave Manchester United in this transfer window, but he's getting a run of games at right-back and he continues there tonight. So it's Victor Lindelof and Harry Maguire, the old Manchester United centre-half pairing who will start this game together with Luke Shaw at left back. Interesting to see what Ten Hag does ahead of that because Donny van de Beek comes into the side. Uh, the only other game he started this season was the 3-1 defeat against Aston Villa. He obviously hasn't played an awful lot of football even when he came on against Wolves the last day. He really didn't seem at it. But with rotation and these games coming quick and fast, Eric Ten Hag is giving him an opportunity from the start tonight. It'll be Casemiro and Christian Eriksen in midfield alongside Bruno Fernandes. And there's Donny van de Beek in there as well. And then Marcus Rashford playing just off Anthony Martial. Garnacho drops out of the team as well. Anthony isn't in the squad. And for Bournemouth, Mark Travers uh, starts in goal once again for Bournemouth on what is a big night it seems for young Irish players in the Premier League with news just coming through that Evan Ferguson is going to make his first Premier League start for Brighton Very good Nathan thank you for the time being alongside Kenny Cunningham this evening we should start the news round which is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day Richie you are starting with Pele yeah, Pele has finally been laid to rest in Santosh this evening. Thousands of mourners lined the streets of the Brazilian city today, including his 100-year-old mother, as a procession took the football legend to the 10-story Memorial Cemetery there. A private ceremony, of course, taking place to end three days of national mourning that took place after Pele died on Thursday at the age of 82. Who hasn't taken a selfie in front of an open oh, casket? stop. I was actually going to not mention <laughs> that there because I don't, like, I'm very, very down on Infantino at the moment and... I was disgusted by that. I don't know. Like he is, he's disgusted at your disgust, work, isn't he? He is disgusted at your disgust. Oh, I'm he's sure released he is, a yeah. statement criticizing the criticism of him. Yeah, oh, he's perfect. <laughs> yeah, isn't it funny with sports administrators that you know we don't see the minutes of the board meetings. We don't rigorously look at accounts down the years. We don't get to see them negotiating with broadcasters or potential sponsors. So sometimes it can be hard to know if a John Delaney is doing a good job or if a Gianni Infantino yeah. is doing a until, good job. Until we read a book later on. <laughs> oh, look, until the SH1 hits <laughs> well, the fan. Well, absolutely. I know what you mean. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know it's just, you're just working off a general sense of them. Mm. And so you see things like John Delaney going on Saturday night talk shows and parading his relationship and you start to think that's unusual. Behaviour. Infantino, yeah. in front of the world, I think, in the last couple of weeks, has decided to really confirm all suspicions. That's kind of what I feel as well. Yeah, exactly. I don't like what, what, you know, we know some of the problems that are happening with FIFA, and then there's arguments about what predates Infantino and what doesn't. So all of that, I suppose, is still, you know, open to question. But then you just see the character of someone, and you see a lot of them around the World Cup, and then something massive like. Pele's death happens as well and it's just like it's been I, I don't know I feel like you get to you get to know somebody's instincts and what sort of a character they are by the way they react to these types of news and like, do I, all from that opening World Cup press conference uh, yeah. all the way through to this I don't think he genuinely done nothing right he, he genuinely thinks he is bigger than, than all of this and he thinks he is some kind of 
statesman does. who doesn't have the who doesn't have the the weight of politics to drag him down into the normal. So he's like literally he's, he's almost in his own head like a saintly figure who's spreading the gospel of football around the world as if it wouldn't do it itself on its own terms. Yeah. Uh, but he thinks it's it's him and it's FIFA that does things like bring football to the world when actually it's just lads kicking a ball in a local park or in a local square or whatever else it is. And that he is above everything and that he is this godlike saintly figure who and is now immune to criticism and has enough rich mates to kind of back up his own theory. None of it is true because it's Gianni Infantino and we can all see him for, for what he is. But there's something about the hierarchy of FIFA and particularly getting to that level in FIFA. And the same happened to Blatter. And to a degree, I guess, looking back, it probably happened in a different era to Havilland. But they they figure themselves as this massive global figurehead that nobody else outside of their own head sees them as. But they, they think they definitely are. Who doesn't have the inconvenience of having to be a political body? They're just this football god. And geez, it's ugly. It's really, really ugly to watch it play out because everybody else sees it except him. Can we have football administrators that we don't know much about anymore? Seemingly Can we just not. have Gordon Kelly? Do you remember him, kind of? He used to do the FA Cup draw, ran the FA. Sure, there was loads of problems with him. I didn't know much about Graham him. Graham Kelly. Graham, Graham Kelly. Kelly. Gordon Graham Kelly was Kelly. the PFA guy. Yeah, maybe that proves he? your point. Graham, Graham <laughs> Kelly and Burt Millichip. Burt Millichip without any eyes, but managing to make, you know, and see what numbers are on the balls. He did a great yeah, croaky voice uh, Kelly had, like, you know, and that, that was all You that sound was all like Pete. <laughs> you sound like Pete. We get, we get Pete to go, that concludes the draw. Ties to be played the second weekend in January. That's all you need is in your FA, you know. I, that's, look, and FAI, we haven't had too many of them. Maybe we're heading back down that route now. Uh, anonymous, mm. you know, office types. Yeah. Who we don't know much about because football administration and massive ego are just two things that are just weird together but seem to go <laughs> seem to be very attractive for some reason the white runners for the oh, oh, ceremony but the, particularly loud warning sign we never that night we ended up having a big fight on here about <laughs> what was the greatest World Cup final of all time for some reason as opposed to talking about you know that like there's loads of things in that and we argued about the bish and everything else Infantino's part in that trophy ceremony where he literally waited until the um, the Qatari I can't remember. Beer. Beer, yeah. Took his hand off the trophy before he took his hand off. So he would be the last person. And it was just this really, really weird standoff where they both had their hands on the trophy. And Infantino was like, I am not backing down here. I will have my hands on the trophy last. And then even hold on to it more so I can talk to Messi more and have the eyes of the world on me in this moment. Mm. And as Richie says, not really understanding that people don't like this. I think uh, I agree, Richie, totally. I think he does see himself now very much as a global statesman. Yeah. And that he has that stature and is behaving like a megalomaniac. That's with yeah, That's the word, yeah. Uh, so uh, Nathan alluded to the fact that Evan <coughs> Ferguson, youngest yeah. Republic of Ireland uh, scorer in Premier League history, is uh, starting this evening. You might bring us through any uh, team news catching your eye, Richie. Yeah, the 17-year-old starting up front for Brighton away to Everton. I guess the big match of the night, apart from our own commentary tonight, of course, is Arsenal's game with Newcastle. 7.45 start to this one at the Emirates. And with team news from there, here's Guy Swindles. 
Not much by way of team changes for either Arsenal or Newcastle tonight. The Gunners, unsurprisingly, unchanged from the side that won at Brighton, scoring four in the process. Although Saka and Saliba need to be careful, both one booking away from a ban. As for the Magpies, just the one change from the side helped to a goalless draw by Leeds last time out, as Callum Wilson, with six league goals to his name, replaces Chris Wood with just two. So still no starting place for Alain Maximan, who has to be happy with a place on the bench. Arsenal-Newcastle at the Emirates. We'll talk to Kenny Cunningham ahead of kick-off in all the games this evening. We'll certainly touch on Arsenal against uh, Newcastle. Eddie and Carrier coming in seamlessly for Gabriel Jesus. When you saw the Jesus news during the World Cup, you yeah. thought, well, that's precisely the kind of injury that might scupper things slightly. Admittedly, he was not in prolific goal-scoring form. He'd scored five goals in 14. Uh, had no goal in his last 11 appearances, but his all-round play was generally lauded. He'd had the most touches in the league in the opposition penalty area of any player in yeah. the league. He was creating pretty much the most chances as well. And Inkeria has come in. And thus far, I mean, he's always been talked about as a really good finisher and he's delivered on that front. 11 goals in his last 11 starts at the Emirates. So yeah, if he can keep that going, it will go a long way towards keeping Arsenal trundling along. Are you believing? Yeah, I'm starting Watch to him believe. do a night. Yeah. That Martinelli, uh, uh, Odegaard, Saka kind of like semi-circle behind Nketiah or Jesus or whoever it's going to be is fantastic yeah. Smith Rowe to come brilliant. back as well yeah that's what I was going to say players get injured now. like I do think that, like even if it's Smith Rowe who's a good player there's a drop off there from Odegaard like Odegaard is special I was one. thinking this or like I mean there's an interesting thought on was it an attitude thing or a development thing or why did he not make it at Real Madrid I don't know because he's good enough he is good enough. He's too young to go there in the first place. Yeah, that, well, that's too, it. But by the time he left, yeah. he's 22, 23, you know? Like, he's... Um, <clears throat> it, it is interesting that they, that they let him go. But I, I wonder, was it just like that he went in as a superstar and it took a little bit of time for him to develop into the footballer that he actually is, I, rather than the story of talents, him? Yeah, I think in his talent alone, he probably had enough to be on the fringes of, of a Real Madrid side. But a 16-year-old in that position at a club that big is probably never going to get the ample opportunities that they need in terms of proper developments. Like he, he was just expected to sink or swim. I know they sent him out in a couple of loans, but again, that's going to scupper your progress in terms of how you're being viewed by your, uh, your native manager at your club. So I just think it was, it's probably too soon from, it, it was probably too much too soon that hampered him for a couple of years. And now you're probably seeing the player that we were always going to see. Yeah. Uh, you add into that as well, they've got the guy coming in from uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, by all accounts, uh, Mihailo Mudrik, who's a bit good too, who can play in that uh, trio behind Inketi or Jesus, depending on who's starting. I, like that, that that looks like a decent reinforcement if it happens. And if yeah. it does, 10-point lead is something else to hang on to, isn't it? For sure. I mean, it's very interesting. I also think it's a very doggy dog club, Real Madrid. Maybe not so much for a Camavinga young uh, I know what you mean though workhorse yeah. coming through but an Odegaard to be the playmaker I'm not sure your teammates will necessarily whereas Arteta Arteta could be also the perfect coach of this he's made him captain he's made him a centre point and yeah. seems to be an arm around the shoulder type coach as well which maybe someone like that needs Yeah, he is a joy to watch so he's been involved in his last 13 games and 12 goals 7 scored 5 assists he is extraordinary at the player of the season so far Barry says Infantino the clue's in the name and Eddie Howe has been asked naturally enough on television ahead of kickoff. So Ronaldo, so Ronaldo, Champions League, Eddie. This is what we're reading. And Eddie, I think sadly for all of us, has said there is no truth in that rumor. So maybe Marcus they, story maybe they didn't tell Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eddie, uh, 
congratulations, mate. You've done great. You've got us to the Champions League. Uh, you know, really proud of you. Look, there's a new contract on the table for you there if you want it. Now, Ronaldo's coming in. He'll be number nine. He has to start every game. Now, I'm just wondering, what other reinforcements do you want this uh, this year, Eddie? We've got a big pot. We can only hope there's a missed call on his phone right now from Amanda Staveley. So, Eddie says, no truth in the uh, rumour, or the reporting, rather. It was more than rumour. Marco reported that Ronaldo had a clause in his new Al Nasser contract which uh, should Newcastle qualify for Champions League football next year would allow Ronaldo to go on loan at Newcastle which just would have been uh, too good to be true uh, we'll move on to Rugby Richie then so Johnny Sexton certainly <coughs> a doubt for the start of the Six Nations he is yeah a doubt for the start of Ireland Six Nations campaign Leinster confirming today he underwent a procedure on the cheekbone injury sustained in their New Year's Day defeat of Connacht Ireland begin their Six Nations programme away to Wales in 32 days' time. Meanwhile, Luke McGrath and Max Deegan will miss Leinster's trip to the Ospreys this weekend as they both sustained ankle injuries. Type Furlong and Will Connors will make further steps in their rehab processes from ankle and bicep injuries, respectively. Orgy Snyman? Yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel regarding Orgy Snyman's injury nightmare at Munster. They say the Springbok lock has returned to field-based rehabilitation and running after more than a year out with a re-ruptured ACL. Snyman's previous return from a year out with the same injury lasted only three games. One of his short-term replacements, Kieran McDonald, requires a scan on an arm injury this week. <clears throat> Pardon me. Dermot Barron and John Hodnett will have their fitness assessed ahead of their game with the Emirates Lions at Musgrave Park as they observe return-to-play protocols and work through a thigh injury respectively. Connacht have received a timely boost ahead of their must-win game with the Cell Sea Sharks this weekend. Mac Hansen, Finley Bealham and Josh Murphy have all returned following illness. Bundyaki is back in the frame, having been rested for their Leinster trip. But Jarrett Butler and David Hawkshaw are facing spells on the sideline with finger and ankle injuries. And Ulster say Marty Moore suffered a significant knee injury in their New Year's Day defeat to Munster. He was due to undergo an MRI today. In better news for Ulster, Ian Madigan, Rob Herring, Tom O'Toole and Alan O'Connor have returned to training. Uh, after their respective injuries and Ulster are away to Benetton on Saturday lunchtime. And not being a doctor, obviously, but the dent, the physical dent in Johnny Sexton's cheekbone didn't look great, did it? Yeah. Of trouble ahead. I've seen various estimates at maybe six-week mm. territory, so certainly he'd missed the start of Six Nations. The middle game for Ireland, you know the way it goes, there's, the, there's yeah, two the, games, there's a gap week. The middle game is Italy. So then there's another gap week and then the final two games are Scotland and England in Dublin for the Grand Slam on Paddy's weekend. <laughs> oh yeah, for the Grand Slam, yeah. Well, so I would anticipate he might be back for Scotland and England game if required and somebody else will get a run of three games. In that three games, so we're arguing about this in the office as to whether this is ultimately a good thing for Ireland and for the World Cup and for Andy Farrell. It's like, it how much you value a Grand Slam because with Sexton there, France and England coming to Dublin you would say that's an exceptional chance of a Grand Slam. Yeah. And it's now far less exceptional. Very, very, very unlikely, if not definitely unlikely, definitely going to miss the France game now, which makes France possibly, arguably, the other best team in the world. That's going to be a very, very difficult task now without Johnny Sexton. But do you... Do we find more of an answer? Are we a lot clearer going into the summer and autumn as to who that Johnny Sexton replacement is? I'd imagine the aim will be to play Joey Carberry all three tests and, and or five if the case may be depending on Sexton's um, right. injury but it might not happen that way and I think these things tend to work themselves out when needed and I wonder you know if it might be Crowley or if it might be whoever somebody puts their name forward and yeah. and, and becomes that genuine uh, option for Farrell over the course of these games this is as 
big as it gets outside of the World Cup. So well, I think might not be the worst worst thing. To no, happen. for sure. Yeah. I think at this stage, they have invested so much in Carberry. They will stick with Carberry. Like certainly, Jack Crowley played very well uh, recently against Ulster, and there's renewed talk that actually maybe it's Crowley, maybe he's the new. Yeah, well, that's the way we ended the last window as well. Like, Perhaps, yeah. but that leaves three games in the Six Nations before Sexton returns, and however many warm-up games, let's call it two. Five appearances for Jack Crowley, two of them being warm-up games, one of them against Italy. Is that enough to prep someone for a World Cup? And I don't know if we're even ready for like. To, to give him them because I mean Carberry's not got like I mean they I think they have to start with Carberry and then you've got Ross Byrne in the mix and everybody else you know it's the, there's I think it's Carberry plenty of people stage. there on a level under Johnny Sexton but none of them are at Johnny Sexton's level and we just have to be honest about if that if the World Cup was in 2024 it could be very interesting for yeah. Carberry but I mean the shutters are coming down there's not enough minutes or let's look. Maybe he's just so assured and so good that you give him three games. And what and if he plays? What if? What if? You know, he started obviously for uh, Munster against Ulster on New Year's Day. What if that? If that develops over the course of the year, again, deep into the again, again Graham Rowntree has stuck with Carberry at ten. Mm. So if Carberry's yeah. playing ten for Munster, I don't know how you can make the case that Crowley should parachute in for a World Cup. No, I agree. I agree. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I, I, I think we might learn a bit though over the course of the Six Nations. I think these things can happen fast. Mm. Uh, we will push on. Kenny Cunningham uh, about to join us. So uh, the whole city manager, Liam Rosenier, yeah. he's been talking about Mr. Aaron Connolly, the forgotten man. Yeah, Hull City manager Liam Rossenior believes he is the man to get Aaron Connolly's career back on track. The Republic of Ireland striker is expected to join the championship side on loan until the end of this season. Connolly hasn't played since September, having joined Serie B side Venezia on loan from Brighton in the summer. Rossenior says he knows how Connolly ticks, having known him since he was 16, and he'll likely be plunged straight into action in Hull's FA Cup third round tie with Fulham this weekend. Hull are also poised to sign Crystal Palace starlet Malcolm Ebioe. Uh, that would be good if somebody could tap into Connolly and get him back to where he was, for sure. One last story, the snooker bans continue. Yeah, Zhao Zintong and Zhang Jiankang have become the ninth and 10th Chinese players to be suspended as part of an investigation into alleged match-fixing. They'll be banned from all competitions <laughs> until such point that the case is closed. 2021 Masters winner Yan Bing Tao is among the others currently suspended. Okay. Uh, actually, we should mention the darts very finally, Richard, because yeah, 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 the, the three-time world champion taking on the two-time runner-up in tonight's final of the PDC World Darts Championship at Alexandra Palace. Michael Van Gerwen is looking to seal a first title since 2019, and he's up against the man he faced in his last victory back in that year. He's up against Michael Smith, a two-time final loser. Action gets underway at Ali Pali at 8:15. The first of seven sets is going to be crowned champion tonight. Garwin won 6-0 last night it was a ridiculous one but as it was like 2-0, 3-0 he started mind games very entertaining he was standing basically right on the edge of where he was allowed to stand behind the Belgian guy whose name escapes me that he was playing and he was like on the camera especially it looks like he yeah. is right on his shoulder and your man was getting really annoyed he started playing like really slow he'd stop in the middle of a leg and just kind of count his darts for like two minutes <laughs> but Garwin just standing looking at the crowd going what's going on here and just like towering over him standing behind it's just like you know you get it all in the dart show yeah mind games the whole shebang uh, speaking of mind games sort of just <laughs> Christmas oh here's a segue well mind it's games, not even that good sort of. it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not really mind games it's, it was just very interesting it came up on Instagram Reels which is the source of all evil I know but um, Andre Agassi was talking about playing against Boris Becker 
and Becker had a tell in his serve and he would always put out his tongue you can do a quick YouTube and you'll see it and if his tongue came out uh, in the middle of his mouth he was going straight up the line and if he moved his tongue into the corner of his mouth he was going wide and Agassi was just making a mockery of Becker's serves every time they played and Agassi told him about this after they had both retired and Becker was like your kid I used to go home to my wife and say I swear I think he knows where I'm going with my serves <laughs> just the most amazing thing what has go. this got to do? <laughs> it's mind games of a Yeah, sort. no, it is, I suppose, yeah. It blew me away. You've told me that before, though. I haven't. I didn't I know, know it maybe before. Maybe someone else what, what was, yeah. did. But did somebody have a bet on, on who'd, we'd, if we'd end the news around on Boris Becker's tongue? Is that what's going on here and somebody's out of winning a lot of money? No, I didn't have a bet. It literally, when you talked darts, no, intimidation, getting inside someone's head. No, I actually do was, see where you're coming from there. Sorry, yeah, yeah. He was just in, in his head. Yeah. And, and then Becker became increasingly freaked out every time he served. This guy ruined his career. How does he know where I'm going? So there you now go. look at him. Well, indeed. that's harsh. Isn't is he it? still in prison? He just—I think he's he just out. Got out, didn't he? Last week, he's out and back in Germany. Yeah. It's a big special coming, isn't there? Like a Netflix or an Apple. He, he's after signing a big deal to do a tell-all because essentially, after all that, bless him, he needs the cash. Yes, he said that Jurgen Klopp was refused permission to visit him in prison. Wow. Mm. Are they mates? Apparently, yeah. That, 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 that's what Becker said on his release, and anyway. he got deported then. From the UK, oh, so God, yeah, it's a, it's a mad fall. Like if you think about it, we actually—I don't know if we've talked about it enough. Actually, let's do a piece on yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, we're out of time, Mr. Kenny Cunningham. Miss Stanley. Bye, Richie. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Michael McCarthy. Thank Cheers. You.